Hello and welcome back to the second episode of the Signal Podcast. We're going to go straight into the three ways of persuasion because I know that's why you really came here. So, uh, there are three ways which people use to persuade one another. In other words, there are three ways that people manipulate each other. There are three ways that people induce one another to do what they want. And I know that sounds all a bit dark and selfish, so let's brighten it up by looking at the first way, which is consent. That's right. You want someone to do something, you just ask them to do it. You ask them. Maybe they'll just do it. Uh, If not, then you have to induce their behavior somehow. So this is where agreements are going to come in. Uh, Persuasion, contracts. Um, A contract is really just like a fancy word for an agreement. You offer somebody something in exchange for something that you want from them. That's a contract. And if they agree, then you have a consensual contract, you see. Uh, You put out the offer, then they uh, express a sort of meeting of the minds, they say. They they mirror the terms that you've offered them, and they communicate their acceptance of your offer, and then you have an agreement. You have a contract, and it's legally binding. Uh, And this, well, I mean, that's the, that is the social contract that our, that our, contracts will bind us. Consent is seen as the optimal and most fair way of conducting human business, and I think we would all prefer it because really nobody likes to just be told what to do. Uh, they, they like to have some degree of freedom. Way number two. So remember, way number one of the three ways of persuasion was consent. Way number two is force. That's right. This is the old-fashioned way, but it's still quite popular. Essentially, you use physical force or the threat of force to coerce someone to do whatever it is that you wanted them to do. That's really, it's really very simple. You want someone to go somewhere, you grab them and pull them to that place or push them. Uh, If you don't feel like you know, getting your heart rate up, then you can just pull out a gun, point it at them, and say, you go over there. And the threat of force will generally be enough to induce someone to do whatever it is you wanted them to do. Likewise, you know, any, any threatening gesture uh, will count as force. You're not obtaining their consent. You are uh, coercing them to do something under the threat of force. Those are the first two ways that you can persuade people. One, you can uh, bargain with them, appeal to their reason, appeal to even appeal to their emotions, whatever you need to appeal to, but you can obtain their consent, okay? Uh, Or you can just force them. And that's generally illegal, right? Except for when the government does it, but uh, it's it's generally immoral. I will say that much. Um, And... uh, That's way number two. Way number three is fraud. So I don't want you to think this is like, you know, the lesser used of the three ways. I would say this is probably the greater. I'd say that most uh, human business conducted involves some degree of fraud. Uh, There's a lot of fraud uh, involved 
uh, certainly in business, uh, advertising, and things like that. Anyways, uh, so simply put, what is fraud? It means you're, you're lying to someone. You're misrepresenting something that is important to the deal or material to the contract. So what you do is you get their consent, right? By lying to them or fooling them or whatever. But it's not true consent. Just like with force, I mean, you point a gun at somebody and you say, put your face on the ground, they'll do it. And you could say, ha ha, you consented. No, he really didn't. And just submitted because you were threatening to shoot him. Uh, it's not real consent. It's still you're being forced. And with fraud, uh, you get what looks like consent, and the person giving it thinks that it is consent, right? Because you fooled them, but it's not really consent because the thing that they think that they're consenting to is not actually what you are offering them or what it's not what you intend to do. We would call that fraud in the inducement. So maybe you promise to pay them for some services, but you know that you don't really intend to pay them. Or maybe you make a deal to trade them a cow for a horse, knowing that what you are actually giving them is just a balloon painted to look like a cow. It's the old bait-and-switch game. In any case, fraud is actually the method used by the governments here in the USA and most likely all around the world. Our founding documents, such as the Declaration of Independence, state that the only legitimate government is based on the, quote, consent of the governed, end quote. They promise you a bill of rights and the due process of law, but in fact, they have no intention of delivering on these promises. These promises were simply meant to induce your consent to their authority. And after having obtained your submission, they don't deliver the goods. It's a simple scam, but it's one we all continue to fall for. So uh, that's, that's how it relates to the governments. We'll get there in later podcasts. Right now, I just want you to understand the principles of uh, persuasion, that is uh, consent, force, and fraud. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about what fraud is and how it works with contracts. And I'll circle back and do a whole episode just on contracts. But for now, I just want you to understand that a contract is an agreement. You promised you'd do something or not do something in exchange for somebody else's promise to do something or not do something. That's basically what a contract is. And it seems so simple, but what I'm telling you is that it is the basis of civilization. Uh, you give your word, you give your promise, and you're expected to keep it. What, what persuades us to keep our promises? It's not just a loss of trust and reputation, although that is a, an important factor in society that keeps people from breaking their promises, but also our courts enforce certain promises. And that is part of the social contract, is that the we agreed that we would all keep our promises, and if we don't, we would be able to go to these courts that would settle the dispute for us. And that is part of the deal. That's part of the social contract that they claim we have consented to. So, let's talk about fraud. What is it? 
Well, um, like I mentioned before, fraud in the inducement. Okay, this happens when someone tricks somebody else into signing an agreement. Uh, but it's actually to their disadvantage, and they got tricked into it with fraudulent statements or misrepresentations. So, as I mentioned before, there is no meeting of the minds, you see. The, um, the injured party who got pulled into this contract that was against his interest, he can seek damages or he can terminate the contract. He's got a choice. If a contract is made by fraud, it's called voidable. So that means that even though somebody maybe lied to you a little bit and got this contract from you, you could still proceed with the contract even after you learn about the fraudulent inducement. So it's voidable. In other words, you don't have to avoid it, but you can. What is a meeting of the minds? It's the actual assent by both parties to the formation of a contract, including agreement on the same terms, conditions, and subject matter. That's the important thing that you need to have for the meeting of the minds. You need to have this, the both parties agreeing on terms, conditions, and subject matter. You know, like what is being sold, how much, when, when, when do we... When do I deliver the goods? When do I deliver the money? Um, all that, all that type of thing. Who, who is selling? Who is buying? All that business. You have, there has to be a meeting of the minds on that, and this is why we need logic. So we'll be coming back to logic. We need logic because um, we have to be able to make clear sentences, clear statements, in order to uh, have a meeting of the minds. Um, so, and they have to be true because if somebody is making a false statement uh, knowingly, then they're lying and that's more fraudulent inducement. So we have to have um, clarity and truth in order to make binding contracts to which anyone should be held. Now, what happens in the case of a breach of contract? You see, a person must perform the terms of the contract unless they their obligation is discharged. So it goes away. Uh, if the person fails to perform without first being discharged, then they are liable for damages. So they can be sued, right, uh, for breach of contract. How can a duty be discharged? It can be discharged by performance. So you do it, it's done. You don't know anything, you did it. Uh, a contract can be discharged by complete performance or material non-performance of the contractual duty. You know, if, 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 if one party just doesn't perform what they were supposed to perform, then you don't, you don't owe them anything in the contract. That is, that's the basic point that I want to make here is that the non-performance of the social contract on the part of our governments is material. It's not like they're doing 90%, but they're just coming up short. No, they're actually going in the other direction and doing the opposite of what they're supposed to do. So it's a material breach. It's a non-performance, and we don't owe them our obedience. For non-performance of the contract, we are discharged from our obligations, which basically means the government has no legitimate authority. And this would probably be a good place to mention the types of theft. 
what are the types of theft? Well, there's larceny. All right, this is uh, what we think of as, as, as theft. You take something and it's not yours and, and the person who owns it didn't want you to take it. Okay, then there's robbery and that's, uh, that involves the use of force. Okay, so you, you force them to give up their property or you threaten them with force to, and they give it up. And then there's burglary, okay, and that's going to involve uh, like a residence. And for some reason, the codes say it has to happen at night. Here's the reason why I want to tell you about these crimes is because there are a few that involve fraud, okay? There's false pretenses and there's also embezzlement. There may be some more I'm, I'm not aware of or can't remember right now. Um, but embezzlement is where someone has actually given you possession of the property. They've given consent that you possess the property, but they've not given consent that you own the property, that you take title of the property for yourself. They've not given consent for that, but you go ahead and you do that and you make it yours. Um, that is embezzlement. Okay. Now you didn't necessarily lie to them. You didn't lie to them to get it. And you might not have had any criminal intent when it came into your possession. But then you say, you know what? I think I'd like to make this mine. And you do. That's embezzlement. But even more important is the one you never hear about. And it's called false pretenses. Okay. This involves a false representation of a fact uh, that causes the other person to hand over title to the property. Um, and so that is what we're talking about. Um, it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be a contract that was made that caused the, um, the victim to hand over their property. Um, but it's got to be a false representation. So it is fraud. It is fraudulent inducement. The, uh, the criminal fraudulently induces the victim to hand over title to the victim's property. I just want you to understand that um, a fraudulent inducement and a breach of a contract is a form of theft. Okay, so just because it doesn't fall under the force category, which is what you think of as theft, where you're pointing the gun at somebody uh, and you're forcing them to, to give you give 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 up their money or whatever it is that you want, um, fraud is also a form of theft. Okay, and you know some some of you might reason that. Fraud is a cowardly form of theft. In, in addition to the dishonor of the crime, they have the dishonor of being liars, and for good measure, let's give them the dishonor of being cowards. That's right. We talked about all these things. We talked about the three ways of persuasion, consent, force, and fraud. We talked about consent and contracts. We talked about how thieves and liars can obtain your consent by fraud. 
I may have mentioned that our governments are more or less fraudulently induced social contracts. We talked about the various types of theft, including embezzlement and false pretenses, which involve fraud to make it clear that your governments are not only in breach of a contract which they fraudulently induced, but they are stealing from you by false pretenses as well, which is also a crime. And that about wraps it up for episode two of the Signal Podcast. Stay tuned for episode three, wherein we will discuss logic. So tune in. We're going to talk about the various tools uh, that you need to be able to think logically and to recognize logical, rational thought. Uh, Because remember, your enemy is a liar. So uh, the more familiar you are with the logical structures, the easier it will be for you to spot those lies. And that's part of what we're doing here, is we're hoping to equip you uh, with the power to do that. So join us for Episode 3, Signal Podcast.